Matthew chapter 25 this morning. Matthew chapter 25. Had it been good? Amen. You know? Amen. Amen. I appreciate if you give me as much volume as you can. I can uh, tell I about stripped a gear or two last night, so I'm trying to trying to recover a little bit this morning. My, what good preaching. Amen. What a blessing. Thank you, Brother Brown. And I appreciate you charging our hearts this morning. My, my cup's full. Thank God, thank God, thank God. I, I'm always amazed at Luke chapter 15 how God's, you see the heartbeat of God. Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. God doesn't want to be the only one rejoicing. God is pleading with his people. Come rejoice with me. Rejoice with me. And when we come to the house of God, that ought to be exemplified in the church house where a group of people are rejoicing with the Father. Amen. Great preaching. Thank you, man of God. We're going to Matthew's gospel, the 25th chapter. Matthew chapter number 25. And I want to say to Pastor Shiflet, happy birthday. And I thank, thank you, preacher. I love you, love your family. And uh, thank God for uh, the Calvary Baptist Church, the hospitality, the accommodations, first class. I mean, the first jubilee is first class. It is first class. And it's evident that you put out all the stops. And I, I'll tell you what I'm amazed at, preacher, is the hunger of your people here. It's obvious. They are hungry for that book. Thank God. Thank God. I commend you, church, for your hunger for the Word of God. Amen. Let's all stand together. Matthew 25. Amen. And I know everybody's hungry, and I don't want to be the big bad wolf here that kept you from eating. Amen. Amen. Two things Baptists get mad at is if you wake them up before 10 o'clock in the morning. And the second thing is if you get them out of church too late for lunch. And so we're going to try not to disturb that if at all possible. Matthew 25. I want to just pick up a very familiar passage here to use as a springboard. And thank God for the precious soul that was saved. Hallelujah. What a blessing. What a blessing. You may be here uh, and... Still in your heart, you know you're not right with God. It's not too late. I promise you, lunch can wait. Everything else can wait. There's nothing more important than where you're going to spend eternity. And so if you're not saved, young man, young lady, if you're not saved, it's not too late. We've got time for you. Amen. Matthew 25, verse number 1, Jesus is speaking here. Matthew 25, verse number 1, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their, in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But... The wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. 
And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage and the door was shut. I want you to notice an expression in verse number 10, they that were ready. They that were ready. This parable speaks of the idea of being ready when the bridegroom comes. But I want to call your attention to verse number eight where Jesus said, and the foolish said unto the wise, give us your oil for our lamps are gone out. Here in this parable, Jesus is describing these 10 virgins. The Bible tells them all of them had two things in common. They all had a lamp and they all had a vessel. In that vessel, they were to keep oil for those lamps. And the Bible tells us while they were waiting on the bridegroom that they slept and they slumbered. But at midnight when the bridegroom came, the Bible tells us that there were 10 of them that had oil in their vessels. And there were 10 of them that had no oil in their vessels. And so notice what they do. They go in verse number eight to the other five, the foolish virgins go to the five wise virgins and they ask them, give us your oil. We, we want your oil. But notice what they said to the foolish virgins. The wise virgins said, go and buy your own. <laughs> you pay the price to get yours. We had to pay the price to get ours. Go buy your own oil. In other words, here's the context. The Bible says in verse number eight, they said, give us your oil for our lamps are gone out. In other words, the fire was gone. The fire had gone out. And so what they wanted to do is they wanted to live off of somebody else's fire. They wanted to borrow what somebody else had. If the Lord will help me, I want to preach for a few minutes on this subject, trying to survive on somebody else's fire. Trying to survive on somebody else's fire. Lord, we thank you for what our ears have heard and all how our hearts rejoice in the presence and power, the saving power of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the precious soul that's been saved. And oh God, how our hearts burn with us. Lord, as we gather around the word of God again, we pray God that you'd feed us. Oh Lord, something more important than lunch today, I pray God that you'd feed us bread and manna from heaven. I pray God for the church. I pray that you'd revive your people. Stir us up. Shake us up. God, I pray that you'd turn us loose in this place tonight. today. I pray God for one who may not be saved. Lord, may this be the hour that they come to know Christ as their Savior and we'll thank you for it in in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. I'm glad to be at Jubilee. Hallelujah. Amen. And just in case you slipped in and don't know where you are, you are at Jubilee 2022 at the Calvary Baptist Church in Dundalk, Maryland. Amen. Praise God, I'd rather be here than an all-night tractor pool. Amen. Hallelujah. 
I want to call your attention to Luke's gospel and the 12th chapter. Flip over, if you will, to the gospel of Luke. In chapter number 12, Luke chapter number 12, Luke chapter number 12, and I want to call your attention to one verse of scripture. Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 35, Jesus here is speaking also in all of these verses about being ready being ready. As a matter of fact, in verse number 40, he said, be ye therefore ready also. He's saying that in light of what he's been saying, be ye therefore ready, be ready, be ready. When the Lord comes, be ready. Verse 35, notice what Jesus said in verse 35. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. The word lights here is the Greek word luknos. It literally means a lamp. In other words, let your loins be girded and let your lamp be burning. All we are is a clay pot with oil and a wick. And when we get saved by the grace of God, the fire of God ignites, amen, the wick. And it's not the wick that is burning, it is the oil that is burning. Without the oil, the wick would just burn up and be consumed. But the oil is a picture of the presence of the spirit of the living God that he puts in us when he saves us by the grace of God. And Jesus is saying here two things. This verse speaks of loins and it speaks of lamps. He said, let your loins be girded. In biblical days, when they got ready to run a race or to do a work in the field, men would gird up their loins, that outer garment, they would gird it up and pull it up so it didn't get tangled up in the plow or in work equipment. It freed them up to be able to be more effective, to be ready at any given moment. And Jesus is saying, have your loins girded up. Jesus is coming soon. Be ready. Don't be tangled up in the things of this world but have your loins guarded then he said have your lamps have your lights on fire make sure there's oil in your lamp make sure there's fire in your lamp make sure the fire's burning be ready be ready when it comes don't be burnt out or fizzled out but be on fire when the Lord returns now here's what I want to bring it down to a personal level he said verse 35 let your. He didn't say let the preachers. He didn't say let the Sunday school teachers. He said let your. Ma'am, he said let your. Let your. Let your. Verse 35. Let your loins be girded. Let your lights be burning. Your. You be ready. You stay on fire. Daddy, you stay on fire. Mama, you stay on fire. Teenager, you stay on fire. Let your lights be burning. Let your lamp be burning. Now watch this. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 5, and this is where we're going to just drop anchor for just a moment. Matthew chapter number 5. Watch this. Matthew's gospel in the fifth chapter We're breaking in on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Notice what he said. Very familiar passage. Verse number 14. Ye 
are the light of the world. Now the word light here, listen closely. The word light here, the Greek word is used 70 times in your King James Bible. But it's not always translated light. In your King James Bible, the Greek word for light here sometimes is translated fire. Let your light. Ye are the light of the world. Church, ye are the fire. Did you know that fire does several things? Up until, for for 6,000 years, fire was the only means of illumination that man had. Fire warms. Fire attracts. Amen. If we were to go over here and set that piano on fire, amen, nobody would not even look that way and just pretend like it wasn't happening. Everybody, it gets people's attention. Fire attracts. But fire illuminates. Fire gives light. Fire gives illumination. And Jesus is saying to the church, ye are the illumination of the world. Ye are the fire. You are the light Amen of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Look in verse 15. Neither do men light. This is a different word. This word means to set on fire, to ignite. Neither do men light or set on fire a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it, it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Look at this, verse 16. Let your, here we are again, down to a personal level. Watch this, Brother Adriel. Let your light, let your light, mama, let your light so shine before men that they may see, that they may see. If you're not on fire, they cannot see. If you don't have that light that is ignited in verse 15, if the candle has no fire, if the lamp has no fire, men cannot see. But let your light, let your fire, so, amen, so shine before men. That word light is the Greek word phos. Amen. It's the same word mentioned in verse number 14. You're the light of the world, the fire. Let your phos, let your fire so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, I'm going I'm to say this and i got to move on because I'm going to try to get you out of here real quick. But notice this. Jesus said that they may see. That they may see. In other words, he said that they may see and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want you to notice that the fire is indicative to God being glorified. Do you know that men can see your good works, but if there is no fire, if there is no illumination, then men will glorify you for your good works. They will say, well, boy, he's just such a good man. She's just such a good woman. That's 
just such a nice young man, a good teenager. But notice the difference. That's what religion does. Religion brings glory to man. Good works alone brings glory to man. But the one thing that separates man being glorified from God being glorified is that fire. Because when there's a fire in your lamp, the lamp doesn't get the glory. God gets the glory because they don't see that as the good works of man. They say he's got God on him. She's got God on him. God is in that teenager. And they glorify your father, which is in heaven. The word lamp, the word candle here in verse 15, neither do men light a candle. It's the same word in Matthew 25 where those virgins had lamps. It is literally a lamp. When we talk about a candlestick, he said, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that was a lamp stand. It had branches. And on the ends of those branches were bowls with oil in them and wicks in them. And that candlestick gave illumination because of the lamps on the ends of those branches. And so here's what I want you to see. Notice real quickly here in our text, the place of the fire. The place of the fire. He said in verse 15, neither do men light. Now here's what I want you to notice. There are three different words for fire in these three verses that we just read to you. The word, there's one, the word light here in verse 14 and in verse number 16 is the word phos. It just means a fire. But then there's another word in verse 15 is the word light. It means to ignite. It means a totally different word. It means to set on fire. But then there's the word candle. And the word candle here has to do with a lamp with fire inside. And so here we find three different words and all three of these, one refers to the lamp, one refers to the fire in the lamp, and one refers to the igniting that causes illumination from the lamp that men may see that men may see that men may see in other words notice this in verse 15 neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick now I've not got time to labor this point but if you'll study your Bible you'll find out that a candlestick from the Old Testament all the way to the book of the Revelation is a picture of the local New Testament church amen Jesus said in John chapter number one you remember John was on the Isle of Patmos. Amen. And the Bible says when he was on the Isle of Patmos, he said, I heard a, amen, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard a voice from behind me as it were a trumpet. And he said, I turned to see the voice. And he said, when I turned to see the voice, guess what he saw? He didn't see a voice. He saw seven golden candlesticks. Amen. All of them, Amen. Jesus talked about them having problems. They had flaws. But brother, they were golden. They were golden. 
They were golden. There's a purity about the church. And let me tell you something, when God speaks to you, the voice is gonna come from the church. When God spoke to John, the voice spoke to John. The voice was coming from the midst of the church and standing in the midst of the seven churches was one like unto the Son of Man. And the Bible said, amen. He had hair like wool and eyes like fire and feet like brass. The Bible says he was clothed, amen, with a right robe down to the foot and he had something in his right hand. The Bible said he had seven bundles of fire in his right hand, seven stars. Do you know what a star is? A star is nothing but something just like our sun. It's a ball of fire. Jesus standing in the middle of seven churches, seven churches that had fire burning on each one of them. Seven branches, six coming out the side and the main shaft in the middle, seven flickers, seven flames on each candlestick. Amen. And in the right hand of the Son of God was seven bundles of fire. Jesus said in the last part of chapter number one, those seven bundles of fire were the seven messengers to those seven churches. Amen. He didn't have seven icicles in his hand. Hallelujah. He had seven balls of fire in his hand. I'm going to tell you something, preacher. The reason our church pews today are full of icicles is because we've got a six-foot icicle standing behind the pulpit. God, give us a generation of men with a fire burning in their bones. The reason our churches are drier than cracker juice, the reason it's dull and dead and drear and there's no fire anymore in the pew is because, brother, there's no fire in the right hand of God. These seven men that God spoke to those seven churches through, when he got ready to speak, he said, unto the angel of the church, unto the angel of the church, unto the angel of the church. What God wants to say to the Calvary Baptist Church, he won't say it through the deacons. He won't say it, amen, through the finance committee. He won't say it through the school administration. But what God wants to say to the Calvary Baptist Church, he's gonna speak to the star in his right hand, which is the messenger, the angelos, amen, the angel of the church. And your Strong's Concordance says that is the pastor of your church. These men were hand-picked, hand-plucked, hand-protected, hand-provided. They're in the right hand of God. God's keeping them close to his heart. God's keeping them, amen, a certain sense of separation from all the problems that were going on in the church. God's got them close now where he can speak to them. God's got them close now where he can keep the fire burning in them because the fire burning in those candlesticks is indicative upon the fire that's burning in the right hand of the Son of God. And notice why God sets the fire. Sets, I'm going to tell you why God sets us all on fire. No man lighteth a candle and put it 
nothing on a bushel but on a candlestick. Let me tell you why God sets you on fire. Let me tell you why God puts a fire in every clay pot that he saves. It's because he wants to set it on the church. God didn't light a fire in us to use just at work. God didn't light a fire in us just to enjoy. But God puts a fire in us to be used through the local New Testament church. Your fire is for the church. It's for the church. God help us when we give everything we got to the workplace and come to church dead. God help us when we go to a ball field and give it all we got and come to church dead. Your fire's for the church. Your fire's for the church. It's not for your little ministry out there somewhere. It's for the church. It's not for your little podcast out there somewhere. It's for the church. It's for the church. It's for the church. Amen. Psalm 104, verse 4. And unto the angels, he maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. The writer of Hebrews in chapter one, verse seven said the same thing in the New Testament. He maketh his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. He makes his ministers a bundle of fire, a ball of fire. I'm gonna tell you something, preacher. We are suffering from a pandemic, all right. And it's a pandemic of ice. It's a pandemic of coldness. It's a pandemic of deadness. Brother, we are spitting out young preachers from Bible colleges and seminaries that are so robotic. They know everything about hermeneutics. They've got everything homiletically down to a science. They're as polished as polished brass. But I'm going to tell you something, brother. That's all they are is brass. And brass will never be gold. I'm going to tell you something, brother. Something's wrong when we're so mechanical. Let me tell you something, young man. I don't know how many preachers we've got in this building. But I'm going to tell you something. Here's what Jesus said about the greatest prophet ever born of a woman. Jesus said this about the John the Baptist in John chapter number 5 and verse number 35. Jesus said, hey, man. He's the greatest prophet. There's no greater prophet ever born of a woman. And if you don't want to know what Jesus said about him, he is a burning. He is a burning and a shining light, a shining foss, a shining fire. He is a burning and a shining. He's not just a shining light and he's not just a burning light, but he's a burning and a shining, burning and a shining. He was balanced. He was balanced. He didn't just have zeal and he didn't just have knowledge. You can have both. He had facts and fire. Amen. He had zeal and knowledge. He, had, he was polished and passionate. He was a burning and shining light. Are you listening to me? Amen. God, give us a generation of young men, amen, who sharpen their axe. Amen. Get as polished as you can be. Amen. To give God your best. But young man, I'm going to tell you something about education. If you're not careful, education will zap the fire out of you. I remember when I was in Bible college, the president of the college got up in the pulpit and preached us preacher boys in chapel. He said, I'm going to tell every one of you something right now. You need to get as much education as you can and then forget that you got it. That's good advice. 
We've got these, amen, graduates from cemetery, I mean seminary. They know how to go down deep, stay down long, and come up dry. I'm going to tell you something, brother. God said if men are going to glorify your Father which is in heaven, you're going to have to have more than just good works. You're going to have to let your fire burn. Let your light burn. Get a fire in your lamp. Quit trying to live off the preacher's fire. Quit trying to live off somebody else's fire. You're going to have to pay the price. Pay the price to get your own oil. Go buy your own. And you don't buy it at Walmart. It comes from getting along with God. Praying the price. The place of the fire is the church. We cannot deny something is missing in 2022. Brother Winslow, amen. Brother Winslow nailed it last night when he was preaching. I said, Lord, are you sure? You want me to preach that tomorrow? God had laid this message on my heart. And I began to second guess because Brother Winslow plowed it up last night. Amen. Talking about quench not the spirit. Amen. There's a lot of quenching. There's a lot of extinguishing that's going on that has hampered the fire of the church. It has hindered the fire of the church. And brother, there was, I just remember brother Schiffler. I remember when I got saved. Amen. I'm going to tell you something. When I walked into church, brother, there was a divine electricity in the air. Vance Havner said it this way. There'll be enough divine electricity in every service to give everybody there a shock or a charge, whichever they need. There was a day it was commonplace. It was commonplace to walk into a Baptist church Amen. And you knew when you walked in, hey, it was humming. It was a humming. The choir was a singing. The glory was stirring. Amen. The people were shouting. Amen. It got you excited just to pull up in the parking lot. And I'm going to tell you, brother, you walk in some of the best churches in America today, and they're a shell of what they used to be. Why do we have to always talk about how things used to be 50 years ago? I'm telling you, nobody can deny. You may not like what I'm preaching right now, but you cannot deny something is missing in the modern church. Something is missing. Something is missing. And that is the fire. We see the place of the fire. God sets us on fire to put us on the candlestick. The church ought to be a place where the fire is always burning. That candlestick in that tabernacle in the Old Testament, the fire was to never go out. It needs to be always burning. The place, the purpose, the purpose of the fire. What's this? Look at verse 15. Neither do men light a candle to put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. Here's the purpose. What's this, Brother Shiffett? And it giveth light. This is a different word. This word means to illuminate. It gives illumination unto all. Unto all, unto all that are in the house. You want to know why there's so little illumination in the church today? God can be feeding, preacher, I'm talking about deep manna from the word of God. T-bone steak from the pulpit. And folks have a blank stare. Do you know why? Do you know why? Because God said that the illumination is condicative upon fire. 
it is, con- excuse me, it's contingent upon fire. Illumination is the product of fire on the candlestick. Fire on each branch. There were six branches, the number of man. Fire on each branch of the candlestick to give light. That are, I thought when Brother Brown was preaching, I thought, man, he's going to preach my message. But in Luke 15, this is, I'm just going to read you this verse. He read it earlier. You remember that, that woman who lost the coin? The Bible says this in verse 8. Either what woman having 10 pieces of silver, if she lose one piece. We often preach messages on being lost in the house. We talked about this being a picture of sinners that are lost in the house. Amen. The sheep was lost in the field, but there's some that are lost in the house. There's sinners that are in the church, in the church house. They're lost in the house. And here's what God said. Watch this, Brother Wenzel. God said either woman having 10 pieces of silver and lose one piece doth not light a candle set on fire a candle and sweep the house what's this and seek diligently till she find it notice the coin being found was contingent upon a light being ignited, a candle being set on fire. Without the candle, the coin could be right there, but there was no illumination for the coin to be found. Notice back in our text that Jesus is saying, no man lighteth a candle and put it in a bushel, but on a candlestick that it may give light, illumination to all that is in the house. I'm going to tell you something, brother. Amen. When sinners can come and it's cold and dry, they can sit there and hear preaching and it's not, amen, nothing really is warm to them. Nothing is really real to them. It sounds like a lot of religious talk, but here I believe is the key that Jesus has given us here. He said, when there's a fire burning on every branch, when there's a fire burning in the candlestick and sinners come in. Amen. Brother Winslow preached on it last night. Boy, they can't get around it before the preaching ever comes around, before the man of God ever comes to the pulpit. There's illumination in the house that all may see, that all may see that come into the house. I'm going to tell you something. The fire in your pew prepares the atmosphere for the fire coming from the pulpit so that all that are in the house may see. All that are in the house. Amen. You remember when you were lost and you went to church? And there was a fire burning, amen, on the same pew you were sitting on? Amen. And I remember, Brother Winslow was a young man. I'd just gotten saved by the grace of God. I got saved in a dead, dry church. I, can't, I ain't got time to go on all this. But I went to a little youth meeting, and Brother John Melton was preaching. Amen. Over in a little Baptist church outside of Chesterfield, South Carolina. And Brother, he had his youth group from the Tabernacle Baptist Church up there singing. He brought a bunch of preacher boys with him. They were all sitting on the front row. He called his first preacher boy up, eight years old, got up and preached. Called another preacher boy up, about 10 or 12. He preached. He had two or three. And then there was an 18-year-old boy sitting in front of me. 
Man, he was jumping up, turning red in the face, veins bulging out in his neck. He was waving his Bible in there. I'd never seen anything. That was my first exposure to the fire. I'd never been around it, never been accustomed to it. But I was sitting there thinking, oh, well, what they've got. There was a fire burning in me. Hey, man, I'd never said amen in my life. I'd never shouted. I was just a new convert. Didn't know anything about the things of God. Hey, Amen. And then that 18-year-old that was shouting got up and preached on Calvary. And son, I'm going to tell you, he got up and the fire that was on the pew was then in the pulpit. I found out years later, Brother Wentzel, I was sitting at a youth meeting at a youth camp at Galilee Baptist Church in Monroe, North Carolina. And I was in the dorms with a bunch of preachers and I was telling them about that service. And Brother Stephen Aldridge was in that, in that, in that camp with us. He said, Brother, what year was that? And I told him what year it was. And I saw his eyes get real big. I said, brother, don't tell me that 18-year-old boy was you. He said, that was me. And he said, I wasn't 18. He said, I was about 14 or 15. Amen. Now I'm telling you that fire, brother. It had me eating out of the preacher's hand, eating out of the singer's hand. Everything they was a singing, I was hanging on every word. Something about that fire. The purpose is to bring light. You remember back in the Old Testament tabernacle, that candlestick when you walked in that inner court, there was two people, there was a piece of furniture on the left, one on the right. The one on the left was the golden candlestick. The one on the right was a table of showbread with 12 loaves of bread, six in each row, picture of the 66 books in your Bible, the word of God. But notice when that priest walked in, that brick could be sitting right there on the table in front of him and he couldn't see it without the light. Do you know what shined illumination on the bread? Do you know what he gave, amen, illumination to the bread on the table? It was the candlestick. Let me tell you something. Your pastor can put bread on the table every service. God can put bread on the table every service. But if there's no fire in the candlestick, you'll stumble over the bread. You'll walk right by the bread and you can't see the bread without the candlestick shining and being on fire. Amen. I'm sorry I'm making a mess up here on your pulpit, preacher. Amen. Waterproof. Praise God. Here's, I got I to close. The place of the fire. The purpose of the fire. But don't miss the person of the fire. Preacher, what's the big deal? What's the big deal about the fire? Is that fire just religious excitement? Are we just a bunch of religious cheerleaders? cheering the preacher on while he preaches. What is the fire? Let me tell you what that fire is. It's not something that can be manipulated. It has to be manifested. That fire is none other than the person and presence of God. The invisible. The invisible being visible through a clay pot. Do you know that all through the Bible, God is referred to as a fire? Our God is a consuming fire. All the way back in the book of Genesis, God called a man out of Ur of the Chaldees, called him out of, away from a pagan family, a pagan land, separated him. God called him to be the father of faith, none other than Abraham himself.
He made a covenant in Genesis chapter number 15 with Abraham. And when he made a covenant with the father of faith, do you know what God told Abraham? He said, Abraham, I want you to go out and I want you to get a heifer three years old. I want you to find a she-goat three years of age. I want you to get a ram three years of age. Get a turtle dove. Get a pigeon. He said, I want you to bring them. And he said, I want you to take that ram and that heifer and that, and that, and that, uh, that she-goat and I want you to tear them apart. I want you to kill them. I want you to tear their carcasses apart. Put half of their carcasses on this side, half of their carcass on that side. Abraham went out there and he tore those sacrifices apart. He had a line of meat, bloody meat on this side and a line of bloody pieces of animal on this side. In biblical days when there was a covenant made, they would divide an animal and those two individuals entering into a covenant would walk through the midst. They would walk, they would divide that animal and walk between the pieces of the sacrifice. And when they walked between the pieces of that sacrifice, that they were making a covenant with one another. But I want you to notice, amen, there wasn't two people walking between these pieces of sacrifices on this day, but Abraham had fallen asleep. He, amen, he had drifted off to sleep. Amen, and he woke up and lifted up his eyes and it was dark. Amen, and God alone came walking between the pieces of that sacrifice. God was making a covenant. Amen, amen. He didn't need his approval. He didn't need Amen. Thank God I'm glad it's a picture of Calvary. Thank God the covenant that Jesus made through Jesus Christ, the covenant that God the Father made through his son, Jesus Christ, he walked through the covenant, walked through the pieces alone. But watch this. When Abraham lifted up his eyes, it was dark, and he saw God. Guess what he saw? He saw a smoking furnace and a burning lamp. A red hot, red hot heater, a red hot stove glowing red and a fire bursting out the top of it like a lamp. He saw a smoking furnace, amen, a smoking stove and a burning fire, a burning lamp. You know what that fire was? Do you know what that red hot burning fire was? That was God. Amen. God was that fire. God was that furnace. You remember in Exodus chapter number three, Moses is on the backside of the desert. Amen. With tending to his father-in-law's sheep. And God amen comes down in amen into a bush. It wasn't anything special about the bush. It was a fire that was in that bush. Amen. He said, amen. Moses said, I will turn aside and see, like I said, fire attracts. Amen. You know what got Moses' attention? It wasn't an icicle. It was a fire. Do you know what turned Moses? It was a fire. Do you know what changed Moses' direction? Do you know what sparked interest do you know what sparked curiosity in my, are you listening to me? It's fire, it's fire. It draws, it draws church. He, he said, I'll turn aside and see this thing. I got time to go on all up, but here's what. God was in that bush. God was in that bush. You remember in Exodus chapter 13, God led his people out of Egypt. In chapter 12, they had the Passover. God was bringing them out with a high hand. And Brother Randy, when God brought his people out of Egypt, amen, God brought them out. And the Bible says they journeyed, amen, from the time they crossed the Red Sea. Thank God there was something leading them. God led them for 40 years. 
all the way till they made it into Canaan land. There was something that led them from Egypt to Canaan land. And it was the presence of Almighty God. They had set their tents up at night. Again, the middle of all their tents was God's tent, the tabernacle. And they had set around, no doubt, their little campfires around their tent on those cool winter nights. But brother, they'd look up and there was a light shining that illuminated millions of tents. Amen. Out there in the middle of the wilderness. And it was a big old pillar of fire. Up above God's tent was a big fire. They followed that fire through the dark times. They followed that fire. Amen. Me and my son burnt. Amen. We had a big track who come in and clear some land for us. We burnt some stump piles and tree piles. The flames were going probably twice as high. I've never seen a fire so high in my life. It was pushing up red coals like a volcano. It looked like a volcano erupted. I had to stay out there with it all night. It burned on into the night and on through the night. And it got dark, brother. And what you couldn't see in the daytime, when it got dark, brother, you could see fire way up in the sky. And I told my son as we sat there, amen, on the back of my pickup truck late that night watching that big old fire, it was overwhelming. I said, can you imagine, son, what it'd been like to have been one of those little, amen, one of those little Hebrew boys sitting out around that camp and your mom and daddy said, son, you see that big old pillar, amen, that big old flame of fire sticking up. It wasn't down on the ground. It was up in the air. Brother, listen, I'm, I live on a hundred acre farm and that fire in my pasture lit up half of my farm. Can you imagine if that fire would have been up in the sky, it would have lit up miles. Brother, can you imagine? Can you imagine that fire burning at night, shining out all across the camp? And I can imagine mama holding her little baby saying, that's God. You see that fire up there? That's God. Somebody say man. I'm talking about God. Was that fire? That fire was not just any fire. That fire was God. I could go through the Bible when Moses got the Ten Commandments. He was on Mount Sinai. There was a smoke burning on top of that mountain because God was on that mountain. The person of the fire, that fire that I'm talking about right now is the manifestation of God himself. When a church... When a candlestick is on fire, they are manifesting the presence and person of God. It's not charisma. We're, we're not having a charismatic conference. It is the fire of God. It is the, listen, I'm so sick and tired of these educated morons who used to be on fire for God. Now they've got enough education. They frown on this kind of worship. They frown on this kind of preaching. They frown on anybody getting excited about the things of God. And I'm going to tell you something. You can say what you want to, but you can't find that anywhere in the Bible. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and his wonderful works. Amen. Let me say this. I've got to close the parting of the fire. It was a pillar through the Old Testament. And that one pillar of fire rested over the house of God. But when you get to the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, there were 120 in that upper room praying. And there was a sound as of a mighty rushing wind that swept through that place. Let me tell you what wind does. If you have a fire just about to dwindle out, you let a good gush of wind come through. The Bible says the Spirit of God swept through that place, the presence of God. And guess what happened when the presence of God 
swept through that place. Brother Wesley, the Bible says that there was a cloven tongue of fire that came down on all 120 individuals. Now watch this. The word cloven there means divided. And it was speaking of God was going to make the gospel now. He was going to divide it to all languages. He was going to give it to all nations. It had been to the Jews. It had been to the Hebrews. But now God was going to give it to every man in his own language. He was dividing the fire. He was dividing, amen, the word of God to every man in every man's language. Now what's this, brother? What at one time was one fire. The presence of God was on the tabernacle rested over the house of God. Now it was that fire was divided. The presence of God that was manifested in one fire now was manifested in every individual. The fire was divided and rested on every member of the church. Now every member of the church had that fire. Every member of the church had the presence of God. Now the Holy Spirit lived in them. Now the Holy Spirit was no longer coming upon them, but now it was indwelling them. And now just like Abraham saw that smoking furnace and burning lamp, now every member of the candlestick became a burning lamp. Now every one of us manifested, amen, were a small manifestation of the fire of God, the presence of God found throughout the Bible. But watch this. When you get to Luke chapter number 12, listen to this closely. Luke chapter number 12. I've got to close. Amen. It's 1230. It's time to eat. Watch this. Watch this, Brother Shiflet. Luke chapter 12. Listen to this. Verse 49. Verse 49. Jesus said, I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled. Now there's a lot of controversy over what that verse means. You read 20 commentaries, you get 20 different interpretations. But the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. And before you read any commentator, just read the Bible. Uh, read the context. The context gives everything. Notice what he said. What's this, Brother Wenzel? Jesus said, new paragraph in the, in the Greek, verse 49, I am come to send fire on the earth. And what will I if it be already kindled? A new paragraph does not start again until verse 54. That means verse 49 through verse 53 all go together. Jesus said, I've come to send fire on the earth, but what will I if it be already kindled? But, verse 50 is a conjunction, but. That means verse 50 goes with verse 49. But I have a baptism to be baptized with. And how am I straightened till it's accomplished? Amen. In other words, verse 49 is talking about a baptism. But he said, I, amen, I have a baptism, Jesus said. I, I am come to bring fire onto earth. But what will I if it be already kindled? But he said, I've got a baptism. He's speaking this of his death. He's speaking of dying on the cross. He said, I've got to be baptized unto death first. It's got to be accomplished first. But watch verse 51. He said, suppose you that I am come to give peace on the earth. He said, I tell you nay, but division. I'm talking about division, the dividing of the fire. He said, from, amen, for from henceforth there shall be five in one house divided, three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father and the mother against the daughter. Oh, now here's what I want you to see. There's two baptisms found in the New Testament for the believer. In the book of Romans chapter six, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Christ at the moment of salvation. We are baptized in Christ. 
But John the Baptist said, there's one that cometh after me whose shoe latches I'm unworthy to loose. I do indeed baptize you with water, but when he has come, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. I believe that God, the Holy Ghost, baptizes us into Christ, and Christ baptizes us with the Holy Ghost. John the Baptist said, when he is come, he, speaking of Christ, will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so that fire that he's talking about here, he said, I've come to send fire on the earth. I believe that's the fire he's talking about. And he said, let me tell you what that fire will do. It will divide households. Mother against father. Son against daughter. Let me tell you something. There's people in your family, when you get on fire for God, there's people in your family don't mind you saying, I got saved. As long as you just say, I prayed a prayer and I got saved and I'm, I'm going to start going to church. They don't have a problem with that. But you get on fire for God. You get on fire for God. And a lot of that cold crowd that claims they've been saved for 25 years and never shook a stick at anything for God, all of a sudden they're going to criticize you. They're going to think you're going overboard. They're going to think you're a fanatic, that you're a fruit loop, and it's going to divide families. You say, well, what Jesus said in Matthew's gospel, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. But notice here in this text, he says, suppose ye that I'm come to give peace on the earth, but I say unto you, nay, but division. He's saying that in context to the fire. It's interesting, Brother Shiflet, that in the book of Genesis, when God drove, when the angel drove Adam out of the garden, that angel, that cherubim angel stood at the gate and he had two things. He had a sword, but it wasn't just a sword. It was a sword of fire. The fire and the sword divided. The fire and the sword divided. The fire and the sword divided. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not just the word of God alone. It's the word of God in the fire. It's the word of God in the fire. It's the word of God in the fire that Jesus said right here. Amen. Amen will cause division between those who love God and his holiness and those who are sent living a sinful life against God. It divides those from the presence of God. Hmm. I wish I had time to tell you a lot more. We're going to go eat. But let me say this. There are some things that has robbed the church of its fire, Brother Shiflet. Jesus told us what they were right there in the text. He said, no man lieth a candle and put it under a bushel. Do you know what a bushel speaks of? In the Bible, every home in Israel had an instrument, a measuring instrument in every household. It was called a bushel. That's what they measured grain with. That was their, that was their, that was their, uh, that was uh, their currency of that day. It was agricultural days. They would trade grain in the marketplace. It was a picture of their labor, a picture of their work. A bushel speaks of work. A bushel speaks of labor. He said, I'm going to tell you something. If you get so consumed with the bushel, you get so consumed with work. We ought to work. We ought not to be lazy. But if you are living for your job and you sit in church and your work consumes you, it'll zap your fire. It'll put a bushel over the fire. No man! Lights a candle to be consumed with his job and his work. Right, right, right. He said, A bushel. He said, I believe in Mark's gospel, no man hideth under a bed. A bushel speaks of labor, a bed speaks of laziness. 
I have never known, preacher, in 25 years of preaching the gospel, I have never known one person that laid into bed till 11 or 12 o'clock every day. I'm not talking about working second shift. I'm talking about just people who were just lazy. Sleep all the time, lay around, do nothing, lay around the couch and stay on fire for God. It does not happen. Boy, I could preach two more hours right there. Number three. Amen. Preacher's preaching tonight, so fasten your seatbelt. Number three. A bed. A bushel. Luke's gospel said, No man lieth the candle and put it in a secret place. That secret place was a vault or a basement, an underground cellar. A, a bushel speaks of labor. A bed speaks of leisure and laziness. But that secret place, that basement, speaks of low living. Basement living. Let me tell you something, preacher. We can excuse the fire. We say, well, people's tired. They work more now. And they've got more stress on them. And we live in a different day. Yes, sir, we live in a different day. And I'm going to tell you something, our great-grandparents and our grandparents get every, every morning, the chickens would crow before the sun came up. They got up, fed their family, and were out in the fields at daylight with their hands to the plow, plowing an old mule all day long. Amen! Plow the old mule all day long, come in. Amen. The back of their neck blistered red from the sun all day long. And they'd come in, sit down and eat supper and go to bed at night. Amen. War slap out, get up the next morning and do it again. And they'd do that day after day after day. And then they'd get up on the Lord's day and go to the house of God and they didn't sit there and sleep didn't cheer in church but there was a fire burning in their bones now we've got to, we can make excuses about people being tired but I'm going to tell you what it is brother you can't live a low life you can't live worldly and carnal all week long and expect all of a sudden to get you get your candle burning good on Sunday morning it's not going to happen amen Blurred vision. Jesus said in Luke's gospel, no man lieth the candle, put it on, under, uh, uh, put it in a secret place, put it on a candlestick. Then he says this. He says, the light, the fire, the foss of the body is the eye. Amen. And if thy eye be single, the whole body's full of fire. But if thy eye is evil, then the whole body is full of darkness. And if the light that is in thee be darkness, great is the darkness thereof. You cannot look at trash and filth all week long on the internet, on the television, or in the world you can't look at all the wicked things this world has to offer and think that you're going to come to church and have a fire burning. I'm going to tell you why, brother. I'm going to tell you something, preacher. We don't want to admit it, but I'm going to tell you why. It's locked the jaws and shut down the flames that once burned fervently in every Baptist church across this country. It's all these gadgets and cell phones. Listen, I've got, listen, I know we, I understand this technology. We have to live with it. It's just a day. But I'm going to tell you something, brother. There's so many vices and so many traps that has caught the eye 
Amen. We're not single out. Our eyes not sailing on Jesus like it should because of things of this world has caught the eyes of God's people so much so. And the whole body is full of darkness. It's hampered the light. It's hampered the light. It's extinguished the fire. God, help us to get back on fire for God. You cannot live off the preacher's fire. If you think Jubilee one time a year and get a bunch of preachers in to get you fired up is going to get you going all year long. If you think the preacher Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night getting up is going to fire you up to keep you on fire Monday and Tuesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, it's not going to happen. You're going to have to get on. Let your light, let your fire, amen, let your loins be girded in your lamps burning. Let's all stand our feet. Be ready. For no man knoweth what hour the Son of Man cometh. As we stand all over the building with our heads bowed, eyes closed, altars open. Altars open. I want to ask you a very, a very simple question, very plain question, very blunt question after that message. Can you honestly say right now, standing in the presence of God, can you say that you're on fire for God? If you can't say that, you need to be in this altar. If you're not on fire, and you're not in this altar, that means you're okay not being on fire. That means you're perfectly fine with that. If you're not on fire, and you're not in the altar right now asking God to put you on fire, set your soul on fire, then what you're saying is, I'm not on fire, and I'm fine with that. I can tell you right now, I'm not okay with that. I'd like to believe I, I live on fire, but there are some days my fire is a whole lot hotter than others. And I'm gonna be honest with you, on the days when my fire is not as bright and as hot as it should be, it bothers me. I'm not happy. I'm not happy a bit. there's no wood the fire goeth out some of you need to stoke the fire spend some time with God spend some time in the word spend some time praying I think it's amazing Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego was full of the fire of God and the fire of the world wouldn't even singe the hair on their head They was full of the fire of God and the fire of the world wouldn't even put the smell of smoke on them. The Bible says they, they were unchanged. That's what the Bible says. If you walk in here on Sunday morning and you smell like the smoke of the world, singed with the smoke and the fire of the world, what you're saying is you hadn't been on fire. The world's changing you. You're not changing the world.
pastor ought not have to get in the pulpit every service with a five-gallon bucket of lighter fluid. 